All right, thank you, Jason, for leading us this morning, for helping us to worship the Lord together. What a great privilege it is to worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator of the universe, right? I mean, wow, what a great privilege. And uh, thank you again, Jason, for coming and being with us this morning. God bless you. Thanks much. A couple of thoughts that I want to share with you uh, this morning. As we prepare, looking forward to our meeting in a couple of weeks with budget, I've been looking at the, the budget for next year and realizing that I really haven't commented in, in several weeks and just responded uh, with thanksgiving for how good God has been in terms of our income as a church. You know, my expectation is with this whole online YouTube thing that, uh, you know, our income would be down, our offerings would be down. Um, and God has just been so good, and God's people have been faithful. And so as I was thinking of this song, The Goodness of God, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. And so uh, we come into 2021 with a, a pretty solid position, I think I can say that, Dave. And uh, we're excited at what God has for us in the year ahead. And I'm especially excited as we begin taking hopefully some big steps uh, toward uh, going forward into the future, finding a new pastor, and and taking some kind of a quantum leap here this month. Uh, the last two Sundays of the month, by the way, the 24th and the 31st, we've invi- invited my friend Nathan Bryant, who leads an organization called Assist, Assist Church Expansion. He's going to come. He's going to share with us kind of the vision we want to have going forward, some of our plans as we go forward uh, for a new day for our church with a new pastor. And I'm really excited that Nathan's going to come and be with us. He's going to share with us on two Sundays. And I want to encourage you to to be present either here or online uh, for each of those two Sundays. Uh, We're just expecting God to do some really, really good things in 2021. I haven't told the elders yet, so don't don't share this with them. But I have a three-week bike ride planned in October. So that's kind of my target date that will start October with, yeah, Dave, don't look at me like that. So that's kind of my target date. We'll have a new pastor by October. If there isn't, then uh, one of you is going to have to preach. I don't know. I've been talking to Chewy. Chewy, if you're listening, I've been talking to you about coming and preaching. So I may give you a couple of weeks in October. But uh, plan ahead. Uh, we're looking forward to having uh, Nathan with us. Two weeks ago, I introduced uh, 2021, our, our theme of following Jesus And we've got kind of that focal point here in Colossians 2, as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him. And my my appeal, my encouragement has been that in 2021, it'll be a year that we learn to follow Jesus a little more closely. We learn to obey Him and follow Him and worship Him just a little more in the year ahead. And so in that light, I told you that I want to preach through the book of Mark this year as we focus on Jesus and and following Him and drawing more closely to Him. And part of what I've suggested is read with me through the Gospels. We're going to read through the Gospels every month in 2021. So I'm inviting you to join me in that challenge. That's what I'm going to be doing, and I invite you to join me in that challenge. We're going to read through all four Gospels every month. So there's 89 chapters in the four Gospels, and in three months you have roughly 90 days, right? So uh, in a month we can read through all four Gospels. And so I've put in your bulletin kind of my reading chart that shows each of the three chapters every day, For 30 days, and the 31st day in January and March, when you get those 31-day 
uh, months. You get kind of a makeup day or a day off or whatever. But uh, And then the columns over here, I've confused people because they don't know what J-F-M-A-M. That's January, February, March. And so I've got a little check mark through the letter J for the first uh, 10 days of January because I've completed my reading. That's kind of how I keep track. And so if that helps you um, do that, some people are simpler than me. They just put a bookmark in their Bible and read their three chapters and then go back to that bookmark the next day and, and read on. So whatever works for you, we want to read through the Gospels. We want to focus on Jesus. Does focusing on Jesus sound like a good idea? Okay, good. I, that was the response I was hoping for. And so, Lord, going forward into the year ahead, that's our prayer, that we would learn to follow you just a little more closely. We live in a world that distracts us every single day. We're so easily distracted and drawn away from that focus. The focus really that we've uh, sung about this morning is we've focused our attention on how good you are and how you provide and care and how grateful we ought to be. Lord, we look at the, the last week of our lives and we just realize, look at all the distractions with the upcoming inauguration, the the protest in Washington, all the turmoil, and throw the, into the mix this COVID-19. And Lord, we're just so easily distracted. And I pray this morning that even in these moments, we might be drawn just to follow you just a little more closely. And so, Lord, we welcome your presence and ask your blessing. As we open our Bibles together, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us understanding. Help us to see truth this morning that you want us to hear. Thank you for doing that for us as we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that I've learned to value and appreciate in the cycling culture that I've become a large part of in the course of my life, people frequently ask me, well, when did you start riding a bike? And my standard answer is I had my first bike stolen when I was four. So cycling has always been an important part of my life. It's always been something I've loved to do. But one of the things I value about the cycling culture is the sense of helpfulness and serving each other. If I'm riding my bike down the bike trail over here and I get a flat tire and I'm on the side of the road repairing my flat tire and another cyclist comes by, what's he going to say to me, Ed? Need help? Got everything you need? Without fail. Now, if you're a pedestrian walking by, you ignore me, you don't care. But fellow cyclists, that's, that's how it works. I've had people stop and give me inner tubes. They wouldn't let me pay them. You know, the, the line has been, pay it forward. I gave you my tube, you pass a tube to someone else when they need one. And frequently, I've had opportunity just by engaging people that way in, in simple conversation. Because they've needed help and I've been available. And I, I, it's only been a couple of months ago, my friend Dave and I were riding over in Orange County and this guy had a flat tire, no tools, no tubes, nothing, which sadly is a common occurrence. And it took me and Dave a half an hour to get him up and running again. And afterwards, Dave says to me, so we just spent a half an hour here. But that, that's how it is. Serving and helping is a huge message in the book of Mark. And it's counter to the culture in which you and I live. You and I live in a culture that emphasizes me, my needs, my rights, what I need. We live in a cult of me. 
And my friend Don Byers sent me this cartoon with the, the cult of me. And the, the tagline is, maybe next year I'll drop out of this cult. But we're all a part of it because our culture, that's the message our culture shares with us. It's an emphasis on self-help, self-motivation, self-discovery, self-image, self-worth. The focus is on me. And I think one of the messages of the Bible, if we read it carefully, is the simple truth, uh, newsflash, it's not all about you, right? It's not all about me. And, and the scripture talks so much to us about serving others. And that's the message of Mark's gospel. And I think it's relevant today, just as relevant as it was in the time of Mark, the time of Jesus, the time of the New Testament. In the, in the Greek and Roman culture, the highest ideal was the development of the individual personality. Serving others was looked at as a, a menial thing unimportant, unnecessary, to be avoided. The important thing was me achieving my personality, my maximum. Does that sound like America in the 21st century? It's, it's, it's so relevant. And as I read the Gospel of Mark, and as I see the focus on Jesus the servant, I'm struck with the fact that many of the challenges that we face today in marriages, in our country and around the world, is because husbands don't see themselves as servants to their wives. And wives don't see themselves as servants to their husbands. There's not a sense of of mutual serving. Uh, We see that in the workplace. At least I've observed it in in the workplace, in my life, and in the lives of others that I've, I've known. How many employees see themselves as serving the employer? How many employers see themselves as serving the employees? That's not a common mindset. And sadly, it's one of the causes of challenges and difficulties in the church because we don't see ourselves as serving one another. But this is the theme of Mark's gospel, Jesus the servant. And so we want to look at that together. And uh, people often ask me, in fact, one of the most common questions is, why are there four gospels? You know, how, why can't we just have one story of the life of Jesus and focus on one God? Why are there four And I think there's a couple of reasons. One is, if you read your Old Testament, testimony was validated how? Three, two or three witnesses. we got four witnesses with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the value of it is that each of the four Gospels looks at Jesus in a different way. And I'm a lover of all things Yosemite. And I have a large collection, probably hundreds of hundreds of pictures of Half Dome, that iconic granite symbol of, of Yosemite. And I frequently think of that those pictures of Half Dome that I have, is they're all different. Half Dome looks different from the valley floor standing on Sentinel Bridge than it does when you're up on top on Glacier Point and looking across. It looks different when you hike out to Cloud's Rest, one of my favorite hikes in Yosemite, when you hike out the clouds rest and you're kind of a little bit behind the face, and it's different. And so the, each of the Gospels gives us a different perspective on the life of Jesus. Matthew wrote chiefly to the Jews, and so he presents Jesus as the king of the Jews. 
with an emphasis on fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. And you'll find that phrase over and over in Matthew. This happened to fulfill prophecy. So Matthew has a perspective of Jesus, King of the Jews. Um, Luke emphasizes the, the humanity of Jesus, the Son of Man. And Dr. Luke, who better to talk about human Jesus than Dr. Luke? And then John has a unique perspective because John doesn't do anything in a chronological sequence of the life of Christ. He tells us his focus is these are written that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you would have life through his name. And so he presents Jesus as the Son of God. And then you come to Mark, and Mark's focus is on Jesus, the servant. And so this morning, I want you to see, we're going to do an overview of Mark's gospel before we start delving into each of the parts and pieces as we make our way through this book. And I want you to see this morning that Jesus models servanthood for us. He teaches servanthood and he expects servanthood of his followers. And so as I read through Mark's gospel and I see Jesus modeling servanthood, it strikes me how, again, how counter that is to the culture in which Jesus lived and spoke. How counter it is to that culture. The, the word servant, by the way, is, is a word that speaks of someone who is hastening, pursuing, in motion, stirring up dust with his feet. And Mark's focus is on how Jesus was a servant. And Jesus himself said, I came not to be served, but to serve. And to give my life a ransom for many. So I want you to see that this morning in kind of a big overview kind of a way. Because Jesus models servanthood for us over and over again. For example, in chapter 1, in, uh, verse, in verse 29, Jesus and the disciples come back from the synagogue to Peter's home. And his mother-in-law is sick. Jesus heals the mother-in-law. Uh, that evening, verse 32 says, people came from all over bringing him the demon-possessed and various diseases. And Jesus cast out demons and healed. Uh, later in the chapter, in verse 40, a leper comes to Jesus. He heals a leper. In chapter 2, uh, one of my favorite stories I'm looking forward to, to teaching in a few weeks, the story of the four men who brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus. Remember the story? Cut open the top of the roof. Uh, that paralyzed man is healed in the opening verses of, of chapter 2. And it just continues through the book. And chapter 3 opens with a man in the synagogue with a withered hand. Jesus heals him. Jesus is in motion. Jesus is healing. Jesus is active. And, and that's kind of Mark's M.O. Fast motion. Move, move, move. And he shows us Jesus in action as a servant. Chapter 5 opens with that story of the demon-possessed man who lived in the cemetery. And uh, they couldn't keep him restrained with chains. And Jesus casts a legion of demons out of him. Uh, later in that same chapter, in verse uh, 21, the synagogue official, Jairus, comes to Jesus. His daughter is sick. And so Jesus goes with Jairus to his home. And on the way, there's the story uh, beginning in verse 25 of the woman who has that hemorrhage of blood. And she touches Jesus' garment and she's healed. And, and then Jesus gets to Jairus' home and the daughter has died. And Jesus raises the daughter from the dead. And, and this, is, this is Mark's whole method. Just showing Jesus as a servant. Jesus is a servant. Jesus is a servant. It continues through the whole 
book. Jesus models servanthood. One of, the, one of my hopes is in the year ahead, is as we make our way through Mark's gospel, is that we would understand how vital, how critical and important it is for us as God's people to adopt the heart and the spirit of service and serving others. It was in the World Series of 1983 that uh, Scott McGregor pitched a 5-0 shutout to uh, complete that World Series for the Baltimore Orioles over the Philadelphia Phillies. And the next morning in church, his pastor noticed that Scott and his wife weren't present in the worship service. And uh, at first he thought that odd because they regularly attended. Of course, it's baseball season and Scott travels. And then he remembered, oh yeah, last night he pitched a 5 nothing shutout to win the World Series. No wonder he's not here. Following the service, the pastor's in the hallways and he meets Scott and his wife. And in that conversation, Scott says, yeah, we were, we were working in the volunteering, working in the nursery this morning. And I just think, you know, that's the spirit. Here's the guy making... Big, big bucks pitching in the major leagues and he and his wife are in the nursery on Sunday morning. A heart of service. Jesus, Jesus models servanthood for you and me. And we need to adopt that, that spirit and that attitude and that heart. He not only models servanthood in Mark, but he also teaches servanthood in Mark. And in multiple places, as we're going to jump in, in addition to getting an opportunity to peek into these accounts of Jesus' healing and his encounters with people, we're going to jump in and, and see places where Jesus is teaching and speaking on, on this theme of, of servanthood. Um, I notice at the end of chapter 3, for example, uh, Jesus is with his disciples and, and someone comes to him and tells him that his mother and his brothers are outside looking for him. And interestingly, Jesus responds and says, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who are around him, he says, behold, my mother, and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. That's the, the heart and spirit of a servant to do the will of God, right? What is the heart and spirit of the individual who's focused on me <laughs> to do my will? What's important to me? What matters to me? And that's so counter to the message that Mark wants us to understand as we, as we look at the life of Jesus. It's interesting to me that when Jesus fed the 5,000, so often we emphasize uh, Jesus' role and what Jesus did, and, and we, do that, we do that correctly. But one of the things that intrigues me is how Jesus involved his disciples in that miracle. Because the disciples came to Jesus with the problem. We've got all these people. They're hungry. We need to send them home. And Jesus, instead of just solving the problem, what's he do? He tells them, well, take care of them. Feed them. He involves them in the process. And, of course, you know the story where they find the young boy with his fish and his loaves. And, and then Jesus has the disciples. Uh, they're the ones that are delivering the food to the people. The people are assembled in their groups. And in verse 41, it's the disciples who's, who's giving the, the food out. Jesus involves them in the process. He's, he's teaching them how to serve. He's ter- teaching them uh, to be servants. Uh, he responds to the disciples' discussions about greatness, which I've always found humorous. In chapter 9, I don't know if you've lost track of where I'm going if you're flipping pages with me, but in chapter 9, 
Uh, it says in verse 34 that uh, the disciples are discussing with one another which of them was the greatest. Have you ever sat around with a group of your friends and had that conversation? Does the staff at Los Altos ever sit around and have that conversation about which of them is the greatest? Does that seem weird to you? Does that seem odd? They're just sitting around talking about which, you know, which one of us is the greatest. I've never had a conversation like that that I can recall. But here's the disciples having, having that conversation. And, and Jesus says, If anyone wants to be first, he should be last of all and servant of all. Jesus teaches servanthood. Not only models servanthood, but he teaches servanthood. And we're going to see that as we make our way through Mark's gospel. I had to laugh last week um, as I was preparing my message and putting all the pieces together. Uh, One of the things that struck me on this theme of servanthood is I found myself thinking back to my days in Long Beach when I was on the pastoral staff there, and, and Dave Hawking wrote a book called Be a Leader, People Follow. And I remember at the time, that was, a, that was a big thing of excitement. Pastor Dave's written a new book, and everyone's excited about it. And I remember thinking at the time that I was going to write the sequel. Because in addition to being a leader, people follow, the sequel is as important, if not more important, right? Be a follower, people can lead. <laughs> I never wrote the book, so I didn't get nearly as famous. But uh, uh, there's, there's no shortage of books on leadership. No shortage of books on leadership. And as I was thinking about this and kind of putting my thoughts together for my, for my message for last Sunday, um, I got an email from Pastor Tom Hawking over at our church in Bellflower, and he had talked to me several weeks before about trying to get us pastors together a little bit, connecting in this COVID world, and we can't, you know, we don't meet personally. And so he said, I got this idea of doing kind of a book club. I'm going to pick a book and we're all going to get a copy. We'll read it and then we'll Zoom and have conversation and talk about the book. And I said, great, I think that's an awesome idea. And uh, so then he sent me the name of the book, you know, How to Be a Team Leader. Another book on leadership, you know. And uh, we, we, we live in a world that needs leadership, but we also need followership. And so Jesus models for us what it means to be a servant. He teaches us the importance of being a servant. And then I notice in Mark chapter 10 that Jesus clearly expects us (laughs) to be servants, to see ourselves as servants, to live out our Christian life with a heart and a spirit and an attitude of service. Again, another portion of Jesus' interaction with the disciples that I've always found kind of intriguing. In uh, Mark chapter 10, I'm in verse uh, 35. So James and John come to Jesus, and the other Gospels tell us that their mom was there too, kind of pushing the agenda. But James and John come to Jesus, and uh, they're talking to Jesus about, they, they want him to give them the chief seats in the kingdom. That when Jesus comes in his kingdom, uh, we'd like the seat on your left, the seat on your right. Um, can we make arrangements for, you know, to, for that to happen? They're talking to Jesus about these chief seats. And the other disciples learn of it. And, and Mark tells us uh, in verse 41, hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. You can only imagine, right? Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. 
But it is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. And it's in that context, he says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus' expectation is that we would be people of service. And sadly, sadly, so often, the mindset of people in churches, that never happens here, of course, this is other churches, but the mindset so often is serve us. We're coming to your church because we want you to serve us. We want you to do this. We want you to do that. We want you to provide this. And we want you to provide that. And if you don't do this or that or provide that, we're going someplace else. We want you to serve us. So oftentimes the attitude is serve us rather than service. And I remember, it's been several years ago now, five or six perhaps, uh, when I was pastoring our church in Altaloma, had a, a new guy show up all by himself, uh, found out later that his uh, wife and her entire family were Jehovah's Witness, and he was coming to church by himself. And uh, when I talked to, to Rich, I asked him a question. I asked everybody who comes to church for the first time that I meet and encounter, how did you come by here? You know, what brought you to our church this morning? Do you know somebody here? I'm always curious, what brought you here? And, and Rich's statement to me was, I'm looking for a church where I can serve the Lord. I said, wow, well, got any friends like you? Bring them along, you know. And uh, over the course of several months, uh, we discovered that Rich played guitar and led worship and became a part of our worship team and became one of our worship leaders and uh, served the Lord uh, just in a phenomenal, phenomenal way. Uh, but that's not the norm. The norm is serve us. And so Jesus models servanthood for us. He teaches servanthood and he expects. There's a life principle here of service. Jesus said it this way. Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. That's not a popular theme in America in the 21st century, right? That's not a popular theme. But that's Jesus' expectation for you and, and for me, that we would be men and women whose hearts and lives are marked by service. Uh, Jesus said in John uh, twelve twenty six, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. That's a, that's a great message, isn't it? If we serve Jesus and follow him, it says that the Father will honor us for that. I, I kind of like that promise. First uh, Peter 4, the Apostle Peter says, As every man has received a gift, so minister the same to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God has given to each one of us in, in his family giftedness and talent and skills and abilities that we can use in service. Hebrews 6.10 is a verse I love to share with people often. God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his saints in that you have ministered uh, to the saints and do minister. What's that song say? If you want to be great in God's kingdom, how's the rest of it go? 
be the servant of all. That's, that's, that's Jesus' message for you and for me. Learning to have a servant's heart, that's not an easy thing. I can think of lots of times in my life where I failed badly, failed badly to, to have a servant's heart. But there's a life lesson that, that I've discovered that I believe is true. And I was thinking about this as I was preparing my message. I was invited several years ago to conduct a memorial service for a gentleman's mom. And they were planning to have this memorial service uh, in his backyard, in a beautiful backyard with a pool and patio, just gorgeous, gorgeous backyard. And they were inviting family and friends to come for this time of uh, memorial service that he'd asked me to come and lead for them. And they were going to begin, I think, about 5 o'clock. And uh, I'm always early, so I always, when I go somewhere to speak, my plan is always to be a half an hour early. And so I'm there, it's 4.30, 4.40, and uh, they're setting up the backyard, setting up a sound system, getting tables and chairs and all this stuff set up. And 6 o'clock rolls around, and I'm still sitting there waiting for them to be ready to get started. And my phone vibrates in my pocket, and uh, I pulled it out, and... I figure I can answer my phone since I'm just sitting here anyway, right? And so my friend Dave is on the phone. He's on his way home from work, and he's talking to me. And what are you doing? And I told him the situation. And he said, isn't that kind of frustrating to have to sit around while, you know, you're supposed to be all, you know, done by now? And I said, well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to live out the reality of, of something that I've often said, and that's this. The way to tell if you're a servant is how you react when you're treated like one. And I remember him saying, wow, I like that. I'm going to write that down. And he made a little note that he, he kept on his desk. And there's been times in my life when I realized um, I've been treated like a servant and I didn't like it. You ever been there? Am I, am I the only one? Jason's kind of nodding a little bit, not much. I'm not getting much, much reaction. The way to tell if you're a servant, if you have a servant's heart, is how, you're, how you respond when you're, when you're treated like one. We need to see ourselves as servants in two ways. I need to see myself this way. You need to see yourself this way. That first of all, we are privileged to be servants of the living God. We are servants of the Lord. That's, we should see that as a great privilege, shouldn't we? We're privileged to serve the Lord Jesus. We're privileged to serve the one who gave himself for us. We're privileged to be his servants. We're privileged to do that. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. That's a servant. And I wrote down, my prayer should be, our prayer should be, Lord, I'll do anything that your kingdom requires of me. Whatever you want me wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever the circumstances, I'm willing to follow. If you want to meet a need through my life, I'm your servant. I'll do whatever is required. Whatever you ask, whatever you wish. Is that, is that a scary prayer? Lord, I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. Be any, whatever you, whatever you want me to do. That is our, I think, our heart response to our Lord. Whatever it is you have, whatever it is you want. I'm your servant. Do you remember what Mary said when the angel came to her and told her she was going to have a baby? 
you know, of course she said, how can these things be? That's the most important question. You know, wow, how can these things be? And when the angel explained to her what was going to happen with the Holy Spirit and that whole story, her response to the angel was, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. That should be our heart and our spirit as servants of the Lord. So first, we're servants of the Lord. And secondly, we're, we're servants to others. I wonder if our homes would be different if husbands saw themselves as servants to their wives, to their kids. I wonder if our homes would be different if wives saw themselves as servants to their families. Yeah, pay attention now. I heard that. You're supposed to use your elbow, not your voice. We all, we all heard that. But I just wonder, you know, if our, if our homes would be different. Because I, 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 there are many, many times where I fail to have that attitude at home. And uh, it's, it's not a positive thing, right? But when I see myself as a servant and, and serve my wife, um, <laughs> things are good. I wonder if things would be different in the workplace if employees saw themselves in the role of a servant. Serving their employer. Or if things would be different in the workplace if employers saw themselves as servants serving employees. I've had some recent experiences with a friend of mine in a previous job of his that he just left. Where I just kind of marvel at the conflict between employers and employees because of this shortcoming, this failure. To see ourselves as servants. I wonder what would be different in in our church in all the churches around the world, if God's people saw themselves as servants. Philippians chapter 2 is a passage that uh, our men's group on Tuesday morning studied several weeks ago. And in Philippians chapter 2, it says, Let nothing be done through selfishness or empty ambition, but let each one regard others as more important than himself. That's just powerful. To see ourselves as servants. And so, as we go through Mark's Gospel, what we're going to be struck with week after week is this challenge to be servants. This challenge to be like Jesus, serving others. That's what God wants in your life and what God wants in my life. Niccolo Paganini born in the late 1700s, 1780s, I think, was a child prodigy with music, guitar, violin, viola. And as he grew into manhood, uh, mastering the violin, teaching violin, doing vi- having violin concerts. I don't know, can you imagine going and sitting to someone play a violin for, say, an hour? Um, I don't know. Someone who's really good? Yeah. But he became kind of the, the standard for violin playing, a virtuoso of his day. And some of, some of his techniques with the violin are still being taught today. He has a legacy of several hundred years. When Paganini passed away, his will mandated that his violin, this beautiful instrument that he played for years, that his violin would be given to the city of his birth, Genoa, Italy. And that violin was given to the officials of the city and and placed in a museum in its beautiful case. And over time, they discovered that Paganini had left instructions that the violin would never again be played. 
So it was on display where you could admire it and appreciate it, but it would never be played. And sadly, over time, the wood of that violin began to deteriorate, began to rot. And it was a a special kind of wood, I guess, that as long as it was being handled and held and used, it kept its shape, its form, its beauty. But once it was laid aside and no longer touched, it just became a worthless relic, if you will, just fit to be tossed aside. And I was reading that story recently. I thought, yeah, that's kind of like if you choose to take yourself out of service, you just become kind of a worthless relic. And wouldn't it be better if we could all be like uh, a beautiful violin that God uses for his glory? People of service. Who is it God wants you to serve today, this week? Where is it that God wants you to serve today, this week? Your prayer, my prayer, should Echo the words of that chorus. Make me a servant, humble and meek. Lord, may I lift up those who are weak. Make me a servant, make me a servant, make me a servant today. And so, Lord, that's my prayer this morning, that you would make me a servant. More of a servant. More of a servant's heart. And this year, as we follow closely in the footsteps of Jesus. Would you draw each one of us more and more to be servants, to see ourselves first as your servants and then as servants for each other. Lord, that's my simple prayer for myself, for those of us here that call Grace Norwalk home, that we would be people whose lives are marked by service. Lord, might we serve you with joy, not out of duty or obligation, but with joy, with anticipation, with the great privilege it is to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you for doing that for us. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
That is our prayer today, that He would remain our cornerstone. The beginning of that song comes from uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Old things have passed away, and look, new new things have come. You are a new creation in Christ. If I could go off script a little bit, since this was just sitting here, I figured, why not sing, make me a servant? I think you all probably know the words. Make me a servant, humble and meek. Lord, let me lift up those who are weak. And may the prayer of my heart always be. with this mask here. Well, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm under, I'm under uh, strict orders. I'm wearing this mask today. Um, this is 2021. This is something we generally do at the end of 2020, and that's when we uh, give uh, uh, t- tokens of our appreciation to uh, those who help the services get along. Uh, we try to cover everybody and uh, best we can. Uh, if we can get Tim Lansing to come up here, I'd ask his lovely wife, Janine, but she's not here with us today. And, uh, and if we get Pastor Roy up here, and we also have one for Max and Maggie, uh, 
Max, Maggie, this is for you. Uh, if you want it, you can come to my house. Because I don't know where you're living right now. Yes, I do, but I don't know. Um, good news for Max and Maggie. They were finally able to finally get a new permit. Uh, their house is, has been gutted. When I mean gutted, the, all the interior walls are blown out. So it was just you walk in the house and you walk all, you look all the way through through studs. And the contractor passed away, had uh, cancer. Uh, his son, who was actually spearheading the project, did not have his, uh, his uh, B general license. So they had to start from scratch. And now they have permits they get going again. So uh, anyway, so hopefully they can get that fixed. Uh, Tim, this is for you. This is for you. You make sure you give it to Janine when she gets home, because I'm sure she will have a good place to, uh, to do it. You don't realize how much this guy now. This year, this past year, he hasn't had a lot of work to do in regards to our young people, because well, we really weren't meeting. It's, it's been a, it's been a real mess. Um, but and he hasn't he hasn't had his plate full with Urban Hope Los Angeles because teams weren't coming because again of quarantine and COVID and all the rest of it. So what did he do? He decided to become an audio-visual professional. And he has been uh, at, the, at the tip of the spear in uh, creating the videos and the things that you see on, YouTube, on our YouTube channel, which is kind of odd to say our YouTube channel. But that's, that's what he's been doing, and among other things. And so we greatly appreciate everything that you do. We greatly appreciate the fact that Janine allows you to go do this. So we can have a round of applause from the scattering of people that are kind of spread out all over in here. And this is for Pastor Roy. You know, he God brought him to us to to mentor uh, Pastor Rick. Uh, and God knows future plans. God knows the future. And he knew that that uh, he was positioning Pastor Roy, whether Roy knew it or not. To uh, step into the breach uh, when uh, Rick and Brenda went back to Philadelphia, and uh, we we appreciate you so much. We appreciate your guidance. I know the elders appreciate your leadership, uh, and we're going to appreciate even more moving forward as we begin to partner with Assist. So this is for you and your lovely wife, and we couldn't be more happy for them being here as a part of this congregation. So that I'd like to close this in prayer. Father God, we're so thankful for those people that uh, give of themselves on a most regular basis who are true servants. Uh, uh, as Pastor Roy uh, taught this morning, uh, being a servant is what being a Christian is all about. Not to be served, but to serve others. And Lord, we just pray that we have a servant's heart. We pray that we look into 2021 uh, and, and put on that mantle of servanthood. That we be open to opportunities to where we can serve. And not say no when we have opportunities to do so, and we know that we can. So, Lord, just watch over, bless us, and keep us as we go our way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.